Welcome to The Next Great Thing. I'm Andrew Greenstein, CEO at SF AppWorks. If you're obsessed with music like me, then you know about the magical bond between artists and the fans who love them. How seeing your favorite band play live can be a life-changing experience, or the thrill of discovering a new artist and seeing them in concert for the first time. The internet has made our lives easier in so many ways, but it hasn't always been so easy to keep tabs on when your favorite artist is coming to town or when tickets actually go on sale before it's too late. That's why I'm so excited to talk to Fabrice Sargent today. Fabrice is a serial entrepreneur, music industry expert, and the managing partner at Bands in Town. Through its mobile and web apps, Bands in Town connects over 70 million live music fans around the world to more than a half million artists. It lets you know when your favorite artist is coming to town and recommends new artists to check out based on your musical tastes. Bands in Town even lets artists control their own fan engagement without having to give it up to a third-party platform. Faris, this is going to be a fun one. I can feel it. Welcome to the show. Andrew, thanks for having us. I'm super excited to share this conversation with you today. I remember driving to dinner a few months ago and the windows were cracked and I could hear live music in the streets. And I, I remember thinking, it feels like we're coming back and it felt great. Your platform is unique in that it provides a service to both fans and artists. Let's start with the bands in town fan experience. How does it work for them? Well, the goal is to make fans go to more shows by discovering new artists and new shows based on their music preferences. The first service that the platform renders is that it alerts fans when their favorite artists come to town. Hence the claim that you'll never miss a show again. We have the largest catalog of shows in the world, 2.3 million shows, 70,000 shows added every week. Every artist added shows to bands in town. You know, you'll never miss a show again if you use it properly. We also facilitate for fans artist discovery. And guess what? 50% of our fans go to shows they had never heard before a bands in town recommendation. And 50% of the fans that are buying tickets every month, which is about 10 million, goes to are shows played by artists which have less than 200,000 followers on Benz in Town, which is fairly small. So the recommendation engine plays favorably to small artists and emerging artists or developing artists, as you want to call them. We learn a lot about the fans' habits and music taste, and we are able to recommend with hopefully some relevance shows that they would never go see otherwise. I've always been surprised by how hard it is to keep track of your favorite band or artist and when they're playing in your city. It doesn't, at the surface, seem like such a difficult problem to solve. And yet, for whatever reason, there's never been a good and elegant solution to organize this. So how was building a platform with all of this information? What were the challenges you faced and what would you attribute your success in doing so to? Well, Benzinton is first and foremost a massive data platform. We, we've made that bet since the beginning to build one of the most sophisticated and powerful recommendation engine in music. So our fans, when they log into Benzinton and create an account, can obviously follow artists manually and buy tickets, do a number of actions that we track with their permission. But they can also sync a number of music services that they use to listen to music. Fans, for example, sync their Spotify account and their YouTube account, and, or maybe sometimes their SoundCloud account. And so we, we work with all streaming services. That tells us a lot about their music preferences. And then we create our own, I could usually call it soup, to create a music graph and attribute to each fan the music DNA. Even though we're sending about 100 million emails and push notifications to fans every month, 
none of them are similar. Each communication sent to the fans is tailored to its specific, what we call music DNA. So it's elegant and it works because it's data-driven. And we learned how to build this music graph across 72 million music profiles. And these people shared a lot of information with us. The system obviously works better. The more information you accept to share with us, the more relevant we are in, in our recommendations. So I want to get a little more into recommendation engines. Every music platform has one. I'm not exactly sure why they're different or why one is better than the other. I know you crunch a ton of data. Are you using AI? You know, how does it work? Can you tell us a little more about, well, the secret sauce behind the recommendation engine? First of all, it's fully proprietary. So we developed that internally. I think our data are pretty unique because it's the only soup when where the ingredients are heavily uh, skewed toward live, right? So as you said, there are recommendation engine, of course, at Spotify, at Apple Music, at Amazon Music, and, and we respect them, but they deal with uh, fans who are listening to music passively. They deal with playlists and a number of behaviors that we don't want to deal with because we want fans who have a clear intent to go to a concert, who have the clear intent to pay quite a significant amount of money to buy a ticket and potentially to buy merch. Our fans are way more engaged, if you want, than the regular listener on streaming platforms. So we, we tend to essentially mix both type of data. Every signal we get from on the live side, you know, we obviously know when fans are buying tickets, we know when they are RSVPing or setting a reminder to be alerted about a specific show. And we blend that with the type of data they provide coming from several music services. And here again, we are pretty special because fans usually never only think, let's say, a music streaming service, one single music streaming service with Benzington. They usually, on average, sync two plus music services. This blend of data creates this cocktail, which is very, very different. Now, we add another layer. This is all machine learning based. Even though we are proud to help fans get alerted about the pop stars and the biggest artists, what keeps us awake at night is really to help the developing artists. Our discovery engine is definitely tricked to surface emerging artist shows and developing artist shows. Hence, my previous comments on the share of shows discovered by fans related to developing artists. I'm glad you mentioned emerging artists, and I do want to talk about this. I'm a framework person. I love frameworks. And, and there's this, this test I heard of a long time ago called the toothbrush test that I, I believe Google used to determine whether they should acquire a company. And their test was, is it like a toothbrush? Do you use it every day? And is it useful? It sounds like a simple test, but I found that it's actually a great way to also uncover who might be your core audience in a way. And I think though many people may use bands in town from a listening point of view every day, the bands definitely use it every day. So let's talk about the band side of the platform. How does bands in town for artists work? Thank you for your comments. It made my day. Indeed. Uh, the platform anyway is free for the artist. We contribute value to the artist and we extract value from other parts of the ecosystem. So I hope it helps them. And if it's every day, it's even better. Artists create accounts uh, on Benzintown, their accounts, they claim their page. We have 560,000 artists, which did so for the last uh, few years. They uh, now can list shows, 
shows can be a live stream or physical show, obviously, when they obviously play festivals. So all these type of shows are different type of entities on Benzintown. Then they can uh, directly message their fans. We added this messaging functions a few years ago to essentially share direct access to the fans. We don't ask them to pay. We're not like Google or Facebook or Instagram. We don't ask them to boost if they want to connect with their followers. We provide them with a lot of data and insights so they can actually message the right fans. In particular, we're the only platform that enables to message fans directly based on their location. So you can choose a radius. That makes sense, right? If you want to promote a show, you it's better to promote the show to the fans on a local basis, not on a national basis. There are a lot of tools, actually, to display shows on the artist's properties, on their websites, on social network. It's widget, API, smart uh, links they can use. Uh, these tools are great because it enables the artist to essentially publish a tour dates once and display such tour dates everywhere on their own properties. But it also enables artists to collect first-party data. And I believe there's no future, no sustainable future of an artist without owning and having a great control about its third-party data. And that's what we call the fan management suite. It's a full suite that enables artists not only to promote their tour dates, promote their merch, but also stay in touch with their fans. So already, if you're comparing this to Facebook, a very common fan management tool, they don't give you any of the data. You don't control the relationship at all. Already, you're, you're breaking down that barrier and letting them in to that direct relationship. Yeah, that's true. So we come with an audience built in. I want to mention that because it's important. But on top of that, yes, we enable them to co-own the data and message the fans directly under their own branding, their own design and aesthetics, under their own voice. Very cool. Any other features you want to highlight? Artists can message fans on Benzintown about many other things than live music. And I would recommend to do so. I would actually suggest that, you know, artists keep messaging fans along the life cycle of their journey. You know, uh, when they announce an album, when they announce a tour, when they drop a piece of merch, there's no better platforms to actually uh, message fans than Benzintown when you do such things especially as Benzintown is also well accepted and recognized by fans as a transaction-related platform. So it's okay to message Benzintown fans about stuff to buy. I've seen platforms in various industries start to build better kind of creator-to-fan engagement tools. In the music industry, I've seen you can order a happy birthday video from an artist, Twitch and gaming, and, and a lot of others. Are you working on some of these tools as well to increase the direct interaction and, and different ways that bands and fans can interact? Yes. So now that we've built the communication platforms, we hope we'll be able to bring uh, utilities and value-added services on top of the communication platform. So our next initiative will be related to merch with deep integration with some major commerce platforms, because we know that merch is one of the most important part of the artist revenue stream. We talked a lot about features on the fan side and on the band side, but I want to talk about product development and specifically how you create these features and how they go from idea to production. And if you're testing them, how are you testing them? Can you just tell us a little bit about the process of a feature, where it gets thought of and how it gets ultimately put in front of a, a fan or a band? We're artists first. 
also data driven. So the process is to co-build with the artist. A lot of, uh, of these new functionalities came from exchange, discussion, data analysis of the way the artists use the platform. And we never build a new feature or introduce a new feature without testing it with our artist community. There's about 3,000 artists which have accepted to be part of our beta testing club, which we call the artist community. We then uh, put it into early beta release with a broader set of artists testing it, and then we, we are opening it to a large audience. So that's the first thing. We co-build with the artists, with the managers, with small and large artists, with small and large labels. We, we cooperate with the also the talent agencies. That's our philosophy, and people who know us know that very well. On the other side, for the fans, it's very much data-driven. So features are tested. Potentially, they, we, we double down and continue to grow and invest on them if we believe that it's working well. And on the other side, we, we are happy to kill a feature if, if data shows that we were wrong and it doesn't pick up. You said that not enough has been done across Web3 to support emerging artists. What do you see the potential of Web3 in terms of how emerging artists can interact with their fans? Well, Web3 is a long-term transformation of the entire industry. It's going to take years, contrary to what you know the early investors in this space believed. It's going to take years to take off fully. But that, in my mind, does not mean that it's not going to take off. It's just that new technologies, adoption by artists, take a long, long time, and adoption by fans as well, by the way. Now, emerging artists do deserve to better connect and interact with their fans over the long term. They also deserve tools that brings them simplicity and transparency in terms of royalty payments and contracts with their labels, publishers, and stuff. So Web3 was going to hit everything from the way they manage their fan base to the way they, they manage their relationship, their contractual relationship, with the main stakeholder of this ecosystem. Talk to me about Metaverse. How are you looking at it and what do you see as its potential? Metaverse, in my opinion, is also going to build over time. And its potential, I think, has been somewhat demonstrated when I saw the huge success of Livestream during COVID. We produce 1,500 shows, so we have a very broad and vast experience of what it is to create a virtual show. Even it was 2D, fine, point taken. But we got 35 million people to join our virtual shows during COVID, okay? And we produced 1,500 shows ourselves, paying artists, booking venues, and stuff like that. And then managing the fans, the chats. To me, that's the best proof of concept. Now, how this is going to take off, which platform are going to succeed, it's still very, very um, complex. And a recent study actually by Water and Music, which is by far the best team that is analyzing Web3 uh, with a very optimistic take on it, showed that metaverse are still very, um, not very consumer friendly, to be honest. So I hope we're going to test a number of them and will be, if anything, a driving force in this space. I remember in 2020, 12 million Fortnite players joined a virtual Travis Scott concert. Uh, it was kind of a cool moment in terms of we were all looking for some way to connect with artists and, and we were missing shows. And, and I think it happened pretty organically as, as a pop-up type of thing. And it was just really inspiring. So I think you're right. There's a long way to go in terms of metaverse being 
widespread in terms of its accessibility, but there's definitely some cool use cases. And I'm personally excited to see what artists do in the metaverse. The tech companies, which we are, have to understand that there's no such tech if it's not consumer-friendly and scalable. People think that it's always easier said than done to introduce new tech to artists and fans. It is not. You have to be obsessed by product. You know, I was trying to download or to get a DNFT of a major, major festival six months ago. It took me 25 minutes. Me, not the average consumer that, you know, there were 100,000 people attending that festival. I heard that only 6,000 were eventually I tried to download and get uh, to the, this NFT. That's a total failure, in my opinion. It's not a success. They make press release. They're very happy to communicate that they did an NFT drop during that festival. That's bullshit, in my opinion. It's wasting everybody's time, to be honest. Or it's potentially grabbing some easy money from you know, these companies that sponsor such events, because they need to. That doesn't help the artist. That doesn't help the fan. What's going to help the artist and the fan is consumer-friendly solutions. And to do that, you have to be product experts. You have to be like the Steve Jobs of the Web3. Where is that guy? I haven't met him yet. And that's, that's what I'm looking for, right? And then it's going to take off. Maybe it's you. <laughs> Let's remain uh, very uh, humble. It's a common effort. I'm, I'm saying, when is the Steve Jobs? There's no one Steve Jobs, and maybe there's never going to be another one, actually. It takes humble people to really try to find solutions to help the artists and the fans, obviously, eventually. It's an effort. It's a quest. I'm sure there are lots of people who are trying hard. And, you know, at some point, it's going to succeed. Yeah, never underestimate the ability of a small group of committed people to affect real change. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Exactly. So tell me, what are you interested and excited about in the next one, two, three years for Bands in Town? What's on your immediate product roadmap? Well, so we are uh, rolling out this uh, fan management suite right now, which is a major effort and a major innovation. You're going to see us come up with uh, significant Web3 initiatives. We already uh, actually took several initiatives in, related to Web3 uh, to help emerging artists live stream their shows and, and connect with the fans. But there's more to come in 2023. We want to roll out this product and continue to improve and build better. We are mostly uh, US-based and the fact of the matter is that three quarters of our fans use us from the US and North America. We hope we can grow much faster also on a global basis. So we like to end on a question that we ask every guest. And I want, I want you to think big and I want you to think about the world and impact when you answer this. What makes Bands in Town the next great thing? Bands in Town ambition is to rock the planet. We're in a very privileged position to bring happiness to millions of fans which experience life moments. They get out of a show more tolerant because they spend the nights with people without thinking of their race, religions, you know, income, gender, or sexual orientation. You know, live music brings more tolerance to this world, brings more happiness. Focusing on that goal is humbling, but it's also inspiring. Winston Churchill, right? during the war when they asked about not saving the art. He said, if we're not saving the art, why are we fighting this war? The impact that art and music has had on everyone, particularly during hard times, it rises above. It rises above the noise. And for me personally, 
I found music as a direct gateway to my soul. It allows me to feel emotions directly and powerfully that sometimes get buried in, in the day to day. So I see it. I love it. And I appreciate the work you're doing. I'm excited to see more of it. And just want to thank you for coming on the show and, and sharing your knowledge and your experience with our fans. Andrew, that was a pleasure. And thank you very much for having us. The Next Great Thing is hosted by Andrew Greenstein, CEO of SF AppWorks, a technical agency that helps organizations and entrepreneurs design, develop, launch, and maintain web apps, mobile apps, and platform integrations. The podcast is produced by Kristen Sills, with marketing by Leah Roos. For more episodes, search for The Next Great Thing wherever you listen to podcasts, or check us out at sfappworks.com.